So I'm Lee. I'm Ria. I'm Marley. Number one, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very good at like doing things for me. It's going to take us about two weeks to learn it. Would I want to go to him if I wanted to hug absolutely not? Actually, give yourself a bit of a break. Give <laughs> me better out of a jar. You've been overruled, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode three of Is It Really Worth Talking About? Is it really worth talking about? Oh, yeah. So, obviously, this week's episode is Assumptions Part 2, where we're going to discuss um, assumptions on mental health. But before we get to that, I feel like there's some big things that we have to announce oh, God. to the team. So, first of all, I finally had a Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. What did I, you have? I had a steak bake, a yum yum. See, you've let yourself I'm down actually on your first Greg. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry, but you have. I'm disappointed. You wait all this time to go to Greg's <laughs> and you have a steak bake. It was it was stress-inducing, all right, because I got to the counter and the guy was like, is that all you want? I was like, obviously, look at me, that's not all I want. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this is actually been Oh, name. well, he was like, I was like, oh, a steak bake, but I couldn't get to, like, the counter to have a look at what, what was there, and that was the only thing I could remember. Um, and then he was like, is that it? And I was like, no, yum, yum. And he was like, is that it? And I was like, oh, I have a cookie as well. <laughs> and I tell you what, the cookie was a zero out of ten for me. Zero out of ten? Mm. I think I've had a Greg's cookie. Don't. I am feeling a bit let down by you though, because there was no sausage roll and no cheese and bacon Smith. Yeah. That's like top two. At least a sausage roll. Yeah. At the very least. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> I've failed everyone. <laughs> you actually have. I'm afraid you need to um go back again. So for the next one you need to t- you need to turn up this time with Greg's but us. Me? Yeah. Oh, when I love this. This, is, this is your punishment okay. for not doing it properly. Okay. So Greg's for us. I'll have a sausage roll and a I'll cheese and a, bacon twist. Yeah, I'll have a cheese and bacon twist, please. Just that'll be Just fine. That. Yeah, I get a box of yum yums actually. <laughs> a box for me. <laughs> all right. All right. Thank okay. you, bye. Um, and second of all, I am officially going to be cancelling real live people. <laughs> And that's the Amazing end of the podcast, news. that's all you need to know. <laughs> that was good news. Like, you obviously, so the, I think the other week we announced that you'd passed a thing to, at some point, yeah. start doing it, but then you had your interview last week. I did, which was explained. very nerve-wracking, but I did it. Amazing. It's one milestone. I know, it is really. It is. It feels like now, like, it all feels more real. Like, it's all up from here, really. <laughs> when, yeah. do you see, when do you see your first person? Um, I'm not sure yet, they'll let us know, but um, we've got to wait for like, an induction or something. And how do you feel about that? Pretty good. Oh, good oh my gosh, I'm actually a counsellor. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Hang around with you two. It's to me. <laughs> so, like, but it would be, you'll love it, I think, because like, obviously we talk quite a bit about how it works <clears> and stuff like that, but <throat> there's nothing like getting in the room where you can just be you. Like when you're obviously training, you have to do all these, um, I forgot what they're called, what do you call it, when you go off with one of your skills, skills oh, that's it. Role play, which is the worst mm. thing on the planet. I hate role play with a passion. <laughs> but So you do all that and you have to like do all the theory and all that sort of jazz, and you still do when you're a student counsellor, but mm. you can just be you. Honestly, it's so much better. Yeah. But, and you're doing it at the same place I did mine. <laughs> Which is good. It's like they're lovely up there. Master student. Well, <laughs> like, give him a compliment <laughs> and he wouldn't take it. So. Oh, you're saying I'm a master? Yeah. Oh, Did you sorry. Do it back I in thought your you face? Were, I thought you were saying you were a master student. 
No, no. master. Oh, I'm the master. <laughs> Sorry, and you're the student. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I will take that. Thank you very much. <laughs> Finally, say that. But, um, yeah, so well done. Yeah, Thank amazing news, Molly. That's really good. Better well than done. Greg, obviously. Better than the Greg. I feel like <laughs> Lee also has some news to report in that he's had a haircut. Oh. <laughs> this is one of those things. So, like, one of the things that I've done on my notes, right, is I've done, like, topics for the first ten minutes of um, the podcast. And one of the things I put down a few weeks ago was when you tell the hairdresser that it's fine even when it's not. <laughs> And this was me this week. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the record, though, I think it actually shoots it does. you. It looks very smart. It looks a lot more fresh. No more noodles. Less dead hair. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of people call me noodles. Do they? Yeah. Don't have it, Lee. No, but it does look like noodles, yes, though, right? You tie it back into a hairband because they try and escape. So <laughs> it, was, it was that awful. <laughs> that is true. No, but like now, she, it's like she's got the shears. I, like, because she said to me, because my hair was quite damaged and it was very long because it hasn't been cut properly since before lo- the first lockdown. And, <laughs> apart um, from a shout ship. Apart from my mum finally getting to this back inside, which is interesting. Um... But she was like, over the next few haircuts, you're probably going to have to like cut it down and then it will regrow and hopefully be healthier. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. I thought then what she would do is like over the next few haircuts, take a bit more off, take a bit more off. But no, she's gone straight for it this time. So when she like, you know, when they put their fingers either side and then their hair is poking at the top and they just cut across it. Well, she's done that. She must have had probably about five, six inches of hair and just chopped it all off. And so now I look like this. I think it looks I'm, much better. More I'm one curls. step away from my granddad having a comb over with five hairs. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> very dramatically. I know, but it was there. Like I did say to her in the moment, like, "Oh my gosh, that's short." And she was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." You said to start over again. And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and then, uh, and then at the end, she was, you know, when they show you the mirror and they're like, "How is it? Everything all right?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And thank then you, you walk out the hairdressers like, "Oh my god, everyone's yeah. looking at me." Get I felt naked. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you do, don't you? Think yeah. Everybody's looking at you now, thinking, yeah. you look, oh, God, what's going on with this? <laughs> yeah. They couldn't give a crap. They're, all, they're getting on with their own lines. But, um, That's yeah. happened to me a couple of times. What, hairdressers? Yeah, first time, when I lived in Spain many years ago, I had my hair cut, and they, were, they like, had these fringes above their eyebrows, didn't they? Yeah. So it was either, they were like, do you want that kind of fringe, or do you want one that's, like, diagonal? And I was like, can I not just have one that's, like, a normal fringe? <laughs> so they cut it, like, above my shoulders, this horrific fringe, and they like curled it all into my face. Oh no, no, no! I looked like a little Jewish boy, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't have my hair cut for three years after that. Are you traumatized? I was, and then about five, six years ago, I had my hair done blonde for my twenty-first actually, and was sat. Luke comes to pick me up, and he's sat in the chair while she's just like styling it. And she's like, oh, do you like it? And I'm like, yeah, I love it. And then I get into the car and I start crying. I was like, I hate it. And Luke was like, you just told me that you really loved it. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to say that to her face, am I? Why can't we just say it, though? I was literally just about to say that. Why don't we? Because there's no going back, is there? Like, once it's done, it's done. Yeah, no, but no, but they could still then correct it a little bit. Yeah. Like, obviously, once she chopped mine off, it's not like <laughs> it's she can done. stick them back on. But Do you like, reckon they can tell, though? Do you think they... Mm, that's their lion voice. They don't really like this. Yeah, that's really... Oh, yeah, that's the best cat I've ever had. <laughs> I go over the top, though. I'm like, yeah, I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, I really love the colour. It's really nice. Yeah, you hate it. Why are you literally <laughs> overcompensating for it? I don't, I'm just trying to think of another situation where we do that. Like, where in life do we kind of, like, lie because we're worried about it? Like, what do we think they're going to do? Like, get their shaver because we don't like it? <laughs> cut us yeah. in the neck? 
I think like, I just feel bad for them because yeah. they must feel awful if they give someone a bad haircut, mustn't they? And it's just so the like the just social awkwardness of you being sat in the mirror and them saying, "Do you like it?" and you just go, "No." And you're not what on your own, because like, yeah. obviously you're in the mirror, and yeah. you uh, you can see in the mirror, and there's people behind you everywhere, yeah. you know, and all these other people. Can you imagine in that moment if you went, no, I really don't like it? Imagine. Literally everybody would turn and be yeah, like, yeah, they would, looking at you. It's the hero we need. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like, I don't like mine either. No, I don't like mine. And everyone's just <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, I'm t- I don't, like if we're at a restaurant, we do the same at the restaurant, don't we? Yeah, Some, most we people. Do. Like yeah, but there's a reason for that. I don't why? want to spit in my food. Yeah, um, yeah, but they don't, though, do they? Well, I don't know. Why? You're a waitress. Waitress. <laughs> Was I? <laughs> <laughs> Only on the weekend. <laughs> Have you ever spat in anyone's food? I didn't spit, no, but I did. There, oh, was, there, was, there was one guy. This is the worst of that, and actually it still haunts me to this day. I did feel bad. But there was, there's no, nothing bad, it isn't, in the grand scheme of things, it isn't major, but there was one guy, he was vile, he was this business guy who used to come down and stay down quite a lot in the hotel next door, and um, he was just like a rude, ignorant man. Anyway, I was just collecting a starter and the garlic bread fell off the plate and fell on the floor, and I just picked it back up, put it on the plate and gave it to him. <laughs> but that's the worst, there. exactly, that's the worst I've ever done, I wouldn't ever do anything else, but... I think I probably even maybe wiped it with a tissue, you know, just so that any dirt that was on <laughs> like there came off. You I know. It on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, nothing major. I've never seen anything I was bad say, either. Have you seen anything? No, I don't think so. Um, no, but I wouldn't. That's yeah. Fear, though. I couldn't say I'm not. Oh, I'm, mm, no, I don't think I've ever complained about. Actually, I did complain about food once in Harvester. And I felt so proud of myself that I'd said, salmon's overcooked, sorry, I'm not paying for it. And Did I you? felt Are you like, like full on? Yeah. And I worked myself up to, to say it, and I had to commit myself and say, I'm not paying, I'm not having to pay for it. Had you the salmon? No, it oh, was right. overcooked. So I'm not, I'm not paying for it, I'm not paying £10 for this. <laughs> My hard-earned money, and it's not cooked. <laughs> but worked myself up, and the waitress came over, and I was like, is everything okay? And I felt this, like, rush of fear. <laughs> and I just said, no, I'm not happy. And it's overcooked, I'm not prepared to pay for it. And then I was expecting some big backlash, and she was like, okay, I'll take it off the bill. And I was like, well, thank you very much. Yeah, most Did people do. Did you feel do. happy to not pay for it because you filled up on the salad bar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder how many tactics, like, I wonder how people in the harvester do do that. Mm. I'm a bit filled up on the main now. Let's just say I'm not going to pay for it. In it, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, you could see, you could smack your fork on it and break the fork, it was that rock hard. I don't. I don't know if I've ever said I'm refusing to pay. Mm-hmm. I have said a few times that um, this is underdone or this isn't. This is a bit too much or whatever. Um, and they just go and replace it. Well, Marnie was right. I filled up on the salad bar. Oh, <laughs> 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 oh those warm rolls stopped it. The with warm all rolls. Of the oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. <sighs> we do miss a salad bar from the harvester. Mm. I also Ours like have gone. Is that we haven't got one in Gloucester now, we have we? Haven't, no. We had two at one point, and now they've gone. Yeah. Are they actually gone, gone? <laughs> they Has the company <laughs> gone? Or is there... the com- I think the company has gone, you know. What's oh, no. Oh, I love their breakfast with all food again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, my God, the breakfast, though. You are right. It was good. It was good. Right. <laughs> I suppose we actually better talk some serious stuff, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. Right. Moving on. So, as we mentioned in the last episode, we're going to carry on the assumptions topic and talk about our mental health assumptions. Yeah, I think we kind of looked at um, like gender last time and age, um, but 
I think I kind of realised that with mental health, there's actually a lot of assumptions that happen. And Marley, you're going to come to this in a bit, but obviously you put something out on Instagram as well and had some responses. Mm. But just the the amount of assumptions that happen within kind of mental health itself, you know, the kind of ideas that I was looking at was kind of like depression is a weakness. And, you know, that another assumption is that people see us the way that we see us Mm. you know and often we end up becoming our kind of own self-sabotage and things like that because Mm. we assume that that's what they see we transfer our own crap onto um and project our own crap getting my terminology wrong uh projecting our you know our own stuff 40 pound hour i know (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but um (laughs) but uh, yeah so i just think it's it's a topic within its own right um mm. and you know we've we've kind of just discussed before we even come on about the the stuff that people maybe have said to us or made us feel um so we'll talk about that a little bit today okay but um have you got your own kind of have you had like assumptions that have kind of come your way um mm, i would say i don't feel like i've ever had someone directly come up to me and judge me or but i feel very much and they probably aren't but you feel more judged I feel like I am someone that people might look at and think, oh, she's fine. She's got a good job, got a house. Everything's fine with her. She's got a nice group of friends. But actually, it's that whole thing, isn't it? You don't really know what's going on behind closed doors. Mm. And sometimes people think, oh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And when you say, oh, I'm not feeling the best, like, oh, you know, you'll get through it as a phase. Or why has she got anything to feel low or depressed about? (laughs) So I think... But then that's me assuming they're judging me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a... So do you think they... Do you get a sense that they are? Or like I just said about kind of projecting your own stuff, do you think you are just projecting your own stuff onto the, that they are judging you? Yeah, probably. Or do you get a sense that they are? No, but I also know that I hold it back myself probably because I wouldn't want them to think that I'm struggling. <laughs> it's all a flipping mess really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So actually they, they might not even be judging at all. But I feel like if I did say something then they would judge me. But I guess it's that whole thing, isn't it, about now everyone should be opening up and talking and making these things okay to talk about. And mm. actually, I think also, though, with our the, the generations that are like our parents and parents' parents, that generation and mental health is something they're still really learning. Mm. Yeah. And so there comes a lot of assumptions and judgments from them, just flippant comments and things like that, that actually for them, yeah, mental health is a huge thing for them to come and understand. Whereas we're kind of growing with mental health so it's I would say normal but it's everywhere for us mental health is just so important for our age and generation I think I think it's interesting like this is me really really stereotyping now but like I think I look at like our grandparents and they kind of yeah all right but they are just so set in their ways that you know this whole mental health thing is kind of a bit more like just crack on with it you know but then our parents I wonder whether there's a part of them that yes they still kind of have that mindset of right crack on but I wonder whether there's a part of them that also now start to understand themselves and the people around them a little bit more because they probably suffered with similar things as they were growing up Mm -hmm. but yet there wasn't these labels or there wasn't this kind of um, understanding as much mm-hmm. out there so I under, I'm, I'm wondering whether they're kind of only just learning about themselves a little bit more whereas you know we've we're lucky we're kind of in a generation where there's been a big movement with it yeah. so we've kind of grown up into our you know late teens early 20s 30s trying to have a bit more understanding of ourselves you know and the generation below us are going to just be like it's going to be interesting to see what they're like when, yeah, they're, when they're older because they're just surrounded by it constantly 
um, you know, and he, I had an, uh, an 11-year-old client yesterday and the way in which he was just talking about his feelings was fascinating for me because, like, I think, I, I look back when I was 11, I couldn't verbalise stuff like that, but mm. I know that some, you know, within their education, they are starting to learn um, a bit more about how they feel, you know, and um, it, it, it was fascinating to watch, but it, it, I love the fact that you're watching these four different generations kind of, like, coexisting and they all come from like different, different places. I wonder how. Oh, go on, Molly. Sorry. I was just gonna say. I wonder how different people. Like we obviously have. I don't know if this is the right word. You'll probably laugh at me. But like traumas or undealt with things that we're living with because of our childhood or whatever has happened to us. Whereas the people, the generation below us, are they gonna live a lot more of a freeing life because they were able to deal with their emotions and able to deal with things, and their parents treated them. Say better, but a lot more openly and accepting. Mm. So maybe they have less. I don't know, like yeah, trauma to deal with, or they they're more mentally aware and able to look after their mental health a lot more. So they've not got to the position of us where we're suffering with mental health. Mm. I do agree with that. I think someone once said to me that we feel our ancestors' pain. So I think the traumas of our parents are naturally pushed down to the children and mm. stuff that they haven't dealt with we end up dealing with in our own way yeah but I think going back to grandparents parents that sort of thing I have to say in my experience I find that the generation of our parents is far worse than the generation of our grandparents okay yeah yeah because obviously I work in retail and I deal with all sorts of people and most of our clients clients <laughs> customers are elderly people and they're a lot softer and more understanding of mental health problems than really yeah, yeah. That's interesting that goes against my stereotype mm. i genuinely do find that and i remember having a conversation with my grandparents like a couple of years ago like i was really surprised to hear them be so open and accepting of it and it really is in my experience people in there probably from like 40s to 60s, where they just don't get it. Mm. Sure, it's interesting, as you were saying that, I was just thinking about my grandparents and the whole gay thing. Mm. Um, I know that's a bit different, but there was this assumption from the, you know, my parents' generation that they just wouldn't get it, the, the elderly people. My grandparents wouldn't get it. And I remember for years they didn't know that I was in a relationship with Daniel at the time. And... I was. I remember at one point I was told not to tell them because they just wouldn't understand. Mm. And uh, and then my nan found out somehow anyway, um, and um, was fine. But always kind of I bought a Christmas present for your friend, <laughs> and I was like, "Do you mean my boyfriend?" And she was like, "Yes, fine." <laughs> and then, but with Bumps, I was told definitely not to tell him. And but every week when I was going, especially towards the end before he died, you know, he would say, "Have you got a girlfriend yet? Have you got a girlfriend yet?" And the one week uh, I I finally just went, "Bumps, I'm one of those." And he went, "One of what?" And I said, uh, "You know, I like boys." And he went, "Ah, oh, fair enough." Mm. And that was it. Mm. And I thought all those years of like not telling him because there was this assumption that he just wouldn't understand it. And even like it was funny, like even as he started to lose his memory and stuff, and you know started to go downhill, he always said to me every week, "How's Daniel?" Yeah. You know. And so it was just like so I wasted years and years of not telling them something big about my life because it was assumed that they just wouldn't understand. I wonder what was would wrong. going through for the people that told you not to tell your grandparents. I wonder what they thought would happen. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That I'd be rejected probably. Mm. Or they would they really wouldn't understand it and I don't know actually, yeah. 
I don't know, but you hear that a lot. It's quite yeah, common yeah, that you yeah, just, you know, you're told not to tell your grandparents because they just wouldn't understand. Mm. But I do wonder, yeah, what what is it that they think is going to be... You know, Maybe it have nothing to do with you and it have to do with more them. More to do with them. Were they fearful of that? I don't know. Mm. I don't know, good question. Deep, I know. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to ring up my mum next week and ask. Can we get her on a bigger? <laughs> get Shaz on. I do have one thing that, um, with regards to mental health assumptions, that really bothers me because it was only really in the last couple of years that I realised I suffered with anxiety and other people made me feel I didn't have it because generally, if it's not really bad, it's not an issue. So if you're not having a panic attack every week or you're yeah. not, you feel depressed that you can get mm-hmm. out of bed and go to work, people are just instantly like, oh, well, you're all right then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if it's not really rock bottom and really difficult, it's okay. You should yeah. just be getting on with it. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing, like, the people say that, don't they? Like, we're only learning now as a society, you know, like if somebody's got a broken leg, you kind of make sure that you kind of help them, mm-hmm. even though they might be at the shop shopping, yeah. you're still trying <laughs> to help them. Yeah. yeah, but when it comes to the kind of internal illness as it were um or issues yeah we seem to just kind of it almost doesn't exist as much no. because we can't see it and I yeah I still remember when I worked at Sainsbury's and I was in my teens and I was depressed then I was suffered, um, diagnosed with depression and I remember opening up one time to somebody I can't remember who it was and she that typical sentence came back of what have you got to be depressed about mm. and I was just like you're joking me and I remember <laughs> in that moment just kind of shutting down yeah and um yeah, it was just... I was going to say, yeah, because when I was feeling not the best, when you, you think you ask your question, you ask that to yourself, well, I definitely said to myself, why do I, what have I got to feel depressed about? But it is, gen, like, genuinely, like, something is wrong in your mind that's just not working for you to want to be happy or be okay. Because yeah. it's bad enough you ask yourself that question without hearing it from other people. Mm. And then it takes a lot for you to even open up in the first place and then to be... Fa- to be hit back with that you mm. think well I'll just be quiet then and stump, it stunts you again to mm. even wanting to open up yeah I think that's one thing that like to going back to people from like 40 to 60 one thing that they do assume quite often is that kids are really resilient and they just everything's like water off the duck's back mm. like when I hear people <coughs> speaking about kids who are kids of divorce and stuff like that and they're like oh they're acting like this and, I'm, and I can make like a clear link to that in my mind probably because of the field I'm going into but there is a definite assumption that young people stuff doesn't affect them the same yeah and definitely through my experience in my life it was just expected that everything I'd been through was that that'll be fine because she's young she'll get over it mm. and in reality it just got worse and worse in the end but you find that like I even have conversations with people now you know like where trauma has happened to a child and because they look okay the parents do assume that they're okay and I go right I'll see you when they're in their teens mm. you know because you know it will come back and bite them in the ass. not all, not everybody you know it depends what surroundings you've got and things like that but for a lot of people it will affect them at some point it mm. will catch up with them you know and it will make them question because in that moment like your, your brain can't process it that brilliantly so actually if the safety of the world or the safety of the people you love around you you know has been damaged that will have an effect, mm-hmm. um, you know. So for people to just kind of almost flippantly just, you know, yeah, they'll be they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Drives me insane. I think that's definitely an outcome of our parents' generation. I think our generation now is a lot more understanding of the impact childhood can mm-hmm. have on yeah. then your teens and your adulthood. Yeah. Well, I mean, we know from training that 
so much stuff that happens in childhood can affect the person you are today. And it's I, I my hope is that the kids of today will be able to be taken seriously when they say, Oh, I feel mm. this way or that's really upset me. Yeah. Um I think the bit that actually this is where we've got to be careful because like I look at like America, for example. Sorry if you're American and listening. Um <laughs> we should be so lucky. We will lie. <laughs> yeah, one day. Um but like they have a therapist for everything, you know, and also they have a label for everything. Mm. And and I do, there is, there is, we need to find a balance mm. of, right, somebody who gets anxious doesn't mean they suffer really badly with anxiety, you mm. know, and somebody who starts to feel down doesn't mean that they are depressed. Mm. You know, they, we, I think we are getting towards this whole, it's too quick to give a label to everything. Mm. But... I, I, yeah, I don't want to turn out like America and like send kids to therapy for everything or, you know, medicate or, or whatever it is. But it needs to be. It, we still need to be better. Mm. So like, if a kid goes like, if there is a separation, as a parent, I would, you know, I would hope that I would then just put that kid in therapy at some point anyway, mm. just to process, even if mm. it's for two, three sessions. Yeah. Because if it turns out that actually no, he seems to be alright at this moment in time, then you bring him back out, and mm. then maybe later on you to. But to just kind of act like nothing's happened at all yeah. is um, dangerous. Silence. Dangerous, is yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. I but guess that's probably a nice way to think of it. Actually, is therapy is there if you need it yeah. under the like use it as um, mm. uh, a service that's available. Whereas God, growing up, if somebody said to me well, at the age of eight or nine, go and see a counsellor or therapist. You, you'd never hear of that. No. Yeah. Never heard of. Actually, why don't we use that as... I know it's obviously more open now and it's more available um, for people. But yeah, use it for going through big life events and things like that. And if you need it, you need it. If you don't, you try. Well, I think even small, like we need to get better at accessing it just for like small small doses mm. sometimes. Like, you know, a, a few years ago, I started having like um, heart palpitations and anxiety. And I wouldn't say that I suffered really badly with anxiety, but it just didn't make sense. It was different for me. So I went in and had three sessions with somebody just to kind of understand what was going on in my world, try and pinpoint what, what was, you know, what would make me feel a bit better. And fine, this year I've gone back in for, you know, feeling depressed. And I've had four or five sessions, you know, talked to people this time, which is very different for me, um, and come back out. Mm. I think we need to get better as a society mm. about just dipping in and coming out, yeah. dipping in and coming out. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah. even that, it is assumed that people come, like, as maybe it's, again, it's the generation above us. I remember having a few co- a few conversations with people about, why don't you go and talk to somebody? And the typical response is, but I'm not crazy. Yeah. Mm. I was just going to say it's that. It's assumed that because you've gone into therapy, mm. that means you're, you're, there is something severely wrong with you or that you're crazy. And it's not I was going to say that all. because... When I was 19 and I went into counselling, like, I was just about so against it, because I just thought, I'm not crazy. Mm. Like, if I go... So you even had that at 19? Yeah, I did, yeah. Not for very long, but yeah, I did. Right. So what was the thing that then ended up shifting for you to Um, decide to go and talk to someone? Well, I was (laughs) (laughs) Um, 18. Which isn't a bad thing, but, um, yeah, I guess the doctor was quite nice when I was trying to tell him the reason he was a bit like please like don't tell me <laughs> just go um and then I went and they were nice and it wasn't like straight jackets and padded cells <laughs> it was just a nice room with a nice woman and talking about your future there was something so um I don't know the word but like just talking to a complete stranger who has no biases prejudices against you mm-hmm. or past knowledge of you and you could just sit there and tell them what you were thinking and feeling yeah and they were there for you 
Yeah. Not for anybody else. They didn't yeah. care yeah. about how I might have made somebody else feel. It was about me and my feelings. But that's the other assumption mm. as well. The amount of times I sit with clients and they, you know, they feel it's so self-absorbed to be sat there talking about themselves for 50 yeah. minutes. Mm. And it's not. It's yeah. just self-care. But we're brought <laughs> up in this society. <laughs> Of course you, <laughs> you do. do. Once you get into it, <laughs> yeah, Mollywood. I love it. <laughs> but we're brought, we have been brought up in this society that is like everything is selfish, or like if we compliment ourselves, it's big-headed. Yeah. You know, and it, and it's not that at all. It's just being able to kind of self-love or self-care. Mm. You know, and it. So yeah, the amount of times where I sit, you, it's not very often you do sit there for fifty minutes with someone, whether it is a friend or whether it is a counsellor, and you just kind of go, this is how I'm feeling, and try and work out where it comes. We don't dedicate that time yeah, to ourselves. No, we don't. So, you know, it's, but it is assumed that it's selfish, and it's just like, yeah, we've got to undo that mm. a big time. I think I agree with you as well, that it's not just about going there to talk about depression and stuff like that, because, I mean, I've said before, I have to have therapy as part of my training, and in my session a couple of weeks ago all I spoke about was the nerves I had for an interview and that was like really helpful and that's probably the first time I've taken something that isn't about my past or anything like that and it was just I thought oh how great that was was to be able to sit and talk for 50 minutes about why I felt so nervous and yeah work through that but even that mm. like obviously when I dip back into therapy this this year I again kind of had that um, thing that you were talking about Ria earlier where like I've got a house yes I've separated from you know a long relationship and I'm going to be moving and things like that but my brain was going I've got a good job I've got wonderful people around me I live in a nice house like a lovely area why are you so down mm. but then when you I went into therapy just to process that so I wasn't talking about my childhood or anything like that mm. I was just processing that actually since in the last year there's been so much shift in my life and lost people that are important and things like that that of course that's going to have an effect so it's just about processing that and then I come back out again yeah you know it doesn't have to be all this deep childhood stuff it can just be dip in process come out mm -hmm. you know and that, that's just as helpful sometimes as yeah going to go the gym. I think <laughs> going yeah. to the gym I just think it should be more readily available for people than like an assumption I have I suppose is that you you go to the doctor as you mentioned you're feeling down and you get prescribed or medication like I've not been in that position to feel like if, if it's genuinely that easy the doctor just prescribes you medication but why are we not able to be able to give people counseling sessions why is that not more readily available no I agree because there are people like counseling and therapy isn't cheap yeah. so people will like go without because people have got food to buy mm -hmm. so why are you going to pay for a counseling session that you've got like in today's world you're not so I think it needs to become more available for people to access. I completely agree. When I when I was training, there was a rumor or it's being discussed somewhere that they were going to try and the government was tr going to try and get a therapist in every doctor's surgery in every school, and that that would be amazing. Like yeah. to be able to do that. Like, but instead of going to the doctor, you can just book in a session with a with a yeah. therapist there. Mm. You know, and again, you might only need two sessions. And it, for me, again, I think if you can sort out the mental health stuff, the majority of the time a lot of the physical stuff and a lot of the other stuff that the people go through further down the line yeah. probably will be less. Yeah. Like, they just need to put some money into that and I think it will kind of... It's like the same in work, isn't it? I think if you have a... If your work can access a therapist or you've got mm -hmm. a space where you can talk a little bit more, I think people are more likely to be able to... Work, their productivity yeah. is going to be so much more, you know, but, yeah, that's they don't see the value in, in that You're yet. Right, isn't it? Yeah, because, actually, yeah, you put the money up front, obesity go down... Mm drug and alcohol problems go down yeah and then in turn maybe cancer rates go down so yeah 
Put the money up front, guys. Yeah. What are you doing? Come on, Bojo. <laughs> sort your shit out. But, um, yeah, but you, you, just on a different thing, Molly, you reached out on Instagram uh, not so long ago on your your account yeah. and asked for some assumptions that people, you know, feel with when it comes to mental health. Yeah. Um, a lot of them were relatively similar. I mean, there was ones that, unless you haven't been, unless you've been diagnosed um, or show it all the time, then you can't possibly... Mm be depressed um people don't believe in depression so it doesn't exist <laughs> um what else have we got other people have it worse oh, so, i hate that one yeah that's my literal <laughs> but i say it to myself i say it to myself yeah, yeah. i was just gonna say i yeah. say it to myself all the time whenever i get a client that comes in and kind of go look i know i shouldn't be moaning about this other people yeah. have it worse i go nope yeah. You're not allowed to say that, and I sometimes I say I'm going to charge you an extra pound every time that you say a stupid sentence like that. <laughs> but it is like we just need to get yeah, that's that mindset yeah. stuff yeah. again. That we need to understand that. Where did that come from? Why are we so? Is it? Do you think it's a culture thing? Like, do you think people in different countries are different, or is it everyone? Like, just as human beings, we cannot have the attention on us or. I do, think it's a, I do think it's a British society thing as well. Like, a, it probably is a worldwide thing as well, but I, I think as Brits, we are, it's that stiff upper lip thing. Yeah. So we are kind of subconsciously taught all these things that mm. we probably take on, like other people have it worse, or that's so big-headed, or stop being so stop self-absorbed. Crying, yeah, stop it. crying, boys don't cry. Yeah. You know, all that sort of stuff. We do subconsciously just yeah. take it all in. But yeah, as a British society, I think we are quite poor at that. Um, it's that... It's the understanding voice. We we're not. That's not promoted enough. Because if that understanding, reassuring voice came in, that was just like, no, no, you are allowed to be upset by that, or that is allowed to affect you. You know that we would probably suffer less. Mm. It wouldn't stick around as long because often it is that kind of sense of understanding and reassurance, that safety, that makes us kind of pull through things. Yeah. Um. But no, we don't have that. We are pants at that. <laughs> One thing actually that did stick out for me someone said that people who attempt suicide are attention seekers mm. um, or people who didn't really want to die which is true but it's not always a black and white as well. yeah obviously that's quite a big assumption anyway. yeah wow um, <laughs> yeah. I, I do want to bring on that like we're, we'll talk about that a little bit now but mm. like we're obviously going to do a kind of like suicide mm. depression um episode um not too distant in the not too distant future but that I did a video obviously about my kind of story once and I talked about the fact that people who are so willing to risk their lives and have this risky behaviour, there must be a part of them that's quite willing to die. Yeah. Otherwise you wouldn't do it in the first place. Mm. So these people that say that they're just, you know, attention seeking, fine, they might be that is the, that might be their cry for help. Mm. But there is a part of them that's so like ready to kind of give up otherwise they would not do it I, yeah I there's a part there that actually they could die from this yeah, yeah. so yes it, yeah i think yeah it might be a little bit of attention but actually you they could die yeah. well but like i i like the phrase so like sammy um who i'm seeing at the moment works in a psychiatric ward and they use instead of the term attention seeking they use the term care seeking behavior yeah because mm-hmm. you are like when you're yeah. at that point where you cannot communicate how much uh, how lost you are or how bad you feel or how much you want to die mm. you do then try and do something you know mm. like that where and uh, yeah what you the majority of people probably are just looking for that one bit of care that's going to help them somehow find a see a way forward yeah. So care seeker, again, it's that understanding, that nice terminology that we've not been taught. Mm. It's all attention seeker, so it's negative. 
um, whereas Kirsty can, can behave your sense far better oh, yeah, because they are looking true. for some sort of way out. The fact that they're at that point where they're willing to harm themselves mm-hmm. for attention or care-seeking um, well, just goes to show they're in a position where they need that care and they need mm-hmm. that attention. So, I think as well with suicide, when obviously we are going to do an episode on this, I've got lots to say. <laughs> but one thing for this episode is like when people say people that are selfish are doing it, yeah. made the assumption that they don't care about anyone else, when in reality they're doing it because they care about mm. everybody else. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, like in that moment you do see it as, like you, you see yourself as a burden. Mm-hmm. You're not that rational that you think, oh my God, you know, what about everybody else in terms of I, I'm being selfish? You mm. do see yourself as a burden and it's just the easiest route out for you and for them because then they don't have to worry about you anymore, mm-hmm. you know, and or they don't have to look after you anymore or whatever it is. So, yeah, I, I have an issue with the term selfish yeah. with that, but obviously I've got my own experience with it. So, um, yeah, it is interesting because obviously I see clients as well where I have to understand that they do see it as selfish. Mm. And, you know, also I've had somebody that died from, you know, accidental overdose, but still, you know, there was obviously some sort of plan in there. Um, and there was a part of me that felt like he abandoned me. Mm. So, you know... Yeah, so I can understand a little bit where they come from, but I just have an issue with the term. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably, I don't know, I'm just making, assum- making assumptions, <laughs> um, it's probably part of that grieving process and stage yeah. anyway, of like, why would they be so selfish and do yeah. that? But actually, when you come to terms with it, you may understand why. But anger selfish is, is going to be a emotion they're going to feel. But anger is a part of the grieving stage, so yeah, you mm-hmm. probably are going to get to that point where you're angry at them as well. Um, yeah. But there was another one, um, just quickly, on some of these assumptions, was, you know, how can you have anxiety, you're always so confident, you know, that was one, you were fine the other day, um, there, somebody else has written, I don't know if we can mention it, can we mention it? I don't know, um, we won't. Um, <laughs> but somebody wrote about the fact that when I've struggled having a baby in lockdown, and people have turned around and said, well, at least you've had a lot of time with your baby, mm, and I thought that's quite, like, it's quite interesting, because I've heard that sentence said quite mm. a number of times. And I even nearly said it to my friend who I work with, you know, his baby turned one the other day. And I thought to myself, how lucky is a dad? But I know they've had a nightmare time with their, yeah. you know, and, but... I was just going to say, actually, that was, I've probably said that to people and not even considered yeah. how it made them feel. Because someone says, oh, it's tough in lockdown with the baby. You, you're my automatic reaction to try and help or fix. So you think of good, like, positives to, oh, you know, at least you've had a lot of time with them. Actually, maybe I shouldn't have said things like that but it's like with everything in it like in lockdown the stuff that we've missed is the stuff that we use as a release mm, and yeah. even as a parent newborn baby just getting out of the house and going to see somebody else with the yeah. baby in the pram for a moment is that moment of release that moment of calm or whatever and they haven't been able to do that mm. um or even just leaving the baby with a babysitter for a moment and getting out and yeah. having a, you know they yeah, haven't yeah. had any of that whatsoever so they're just stuck in their own kind of chaotic world probably of trying to learn how to be a parent or trying to manage a baby who's mm. having issues you know whatever but, um, yeah, it did make me think. Um, last one, which made me quite sad, somebody just put, this was the, his name, well, I'll use my name, Lee, you're always so happy, etc. when deep down I'm super empty inside and contemplating being here. That's actually really sad. But I suppose that kind of goes back to what we were just talking about, that I always remember the picture that they put on about this is what depression looks like, and it's a picture of, like, Robin Williams and, mm. you know, some other famous people that have, like, killed themselves, and they're, they're, and they're happy as anything. And it is that, isn't it, though, just because we see this snapshot we assume they're very good at putting an act on everything's okay yeah, yeah. and um yeah it's just 
sad. So again, I go back to kind of like what I think we talked about it before, and obviously I did a video not so long ago about just checking in. Even if you think somebody's okay, just like there's no harm in just going, mm. are you all right? And yeah, then when they go, yeah, yeah, I'm all right. And yeah. then you go, no, no, are you actually all right? Yeah. And then they, again, they've got an opportunity to kind of go, yeah, and then you've done your bit for now, and then check in yeah. on them again at some point. Yeah. But just keep doing it. We don't do it enough, I don't think, with, our, with the people around us, just to make sure that everybody's okay. No, we just assume that everybody's alright because yeah. we're cracking on with our with our lives. Yeah, but is that it? What time are we at? Oh gosh, we've gone over. But yeah, um, <laughs> <it on. laughs> uh, but yeah. So uh, but hopefully that's been a bit inform a bit informative, and obviously we're going to be at some point talking a little bit more, maybe towards about suicide and specific as- aspects of mental health. Um, but yeah, moving on. I had to bring that in a little bit. So because I said moving on, these two started singing and people. So I, thought, so I thought I'd just catch the end of uh, oh, Rio sorry singing. Sorry everyone then. if you're a headphone listener. <laughs> but, um, it's not just yeah. a headphone listener. Right. <laughs> yeah, even Nolly. Anyone with ears. <laughs> it's very shaming, Marley. Just as you get approved to cancel people and you're coming out with comments like this. I just got to make the damage to get clients. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Um, it's Bank Holiday Monday. Are we chilling out for the rest of the yes, day? Yes, we are. We are because Marla's a bit hungover. She? Is. Oh yeah, you haven't said that, have you? I haven't. So Marley went out drinking with her mates last night, and um, we're sick at six o'clock this morning. <laughs> shots. We've yeah, seen video of shots. Why can we not resist shots? Oh, I love a shot. Which? Get what do you like then? Anything. I'll, this is the thing about me. When I'm drinking, I'll drink anything. What, even like a whiskey shot? Yeah, anything you give me. That's if like it's that free, song. I'm drinking it. She drinks a whiskey shot? Yeah. <laughs> she drinks a lager shot. A lager drinking it. Do you remember that, that flipping tonic wine she was drinking that one evening? Was it? What was. <gasps> New Year's. Yeah, I did. I oh, yeah, it. with I you and. Um, what it's called. What was his face? I can't. It was like. It was horrific. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was terrible. Oh, you were in gosh. a terrible state, didn't <laughs> you? Not in a good way. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of this game, so you may have. I won't explain the rules, but it's called odds on. And let's just say I did not win that game. Yes, you did. <laughs> we were like, Marley, maybe we should stop now. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> this time I'll be right. Yeah. And, and I wasn't. <laughs> no, she wasn't. And there's videos of her vomiting in the bucket and. Um, yeah. Crying, <laughs> <laughs> but good night last night. Yeah, it was very good night. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice, isn't it, that we're all kind of opening back up. Yeah. And, um, I got to spend some time with the boys the other day uh, for Ben's Ben's fortieth. Oh, happy old. birthday, Ben! Happy yeah. birthday, Ben! Shout birthday, out to Shout Ben! <laughs> I think it's so funny. Me and my friend went to the pub beer garden the other weekend and to go out and get dressed up for something that's not the supermarket yeah. I was like well <laughs> <laughs> the, the meltdowns you have when you're trying to pick an outfit yeah. don't worry <laughs> when you gained a few lockdown pounds <laughs> not ideal yeah no I, I'm with you on that no, it's I'm sad I'm back to wear my black jumpers again oh no when Lee puts the black jumper on we know Keto's about to come back out <laughs> <laughs> it's so true I've been on it two weeks we're getting there we're getting there but uh, right Thank you very much, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. And, peace uh, out. Peace out. Peeps. Peeps. Oh. <laughs> hang on, hang on.
Hang on. She'd really love it if you could just do it, please. <laughs> we would love to hear from you, so don't forget to DM us on our Instagram page where you can also find things such as photos of us looking silly, upcoming topics and polls to join in with. Excellent. Oh, topics. Oh, gosh. 